Hey, George. This is Philip. Hey. Hey, Philip. Okay. Glad to uh, glad to finally uh, keep my promise. <laughs> Sorry yeah, to no, keep pushing it back. No, no, no worries. I, I'm just glad that uh, you're able to take it on. You seem like a very busy guy, so um, really appreciate it. Okay. Cool. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm glad. I'm, I like the I, I like the idea that you're trying to uh, put all of this together. Um, I think it'd be it'd very be it'd be uh, really interesting to see what everything looks like. Uh, yeah. Once you put it all together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, we shall see. Um, so far, we've got uh, you know a couple different episodes. I'm not sure if you listen to any, but I mean, I think you you get the idea of trying to share some insight and shed some light um, with you know folks like you some experts in the industry who've been doing things a while um, because I think you know it's kind of a fascinating industry where everybody has clothes but you know where do they come from how is it how are they made uh, what really goes on and um, you know there's a lot of as, as you can imagine probably like misinformation on, on the internet and so um, just want to kind of share that and maybe um, you know share what you do and and um, you know, kind of have fun. I think that's that's the main thing. Like, uh, hopefully, it's I'm not too stuffy, and and I let you you know speak what you want, and you know just no. Hopefully, we enjoy ourselves. I think that's that's what I really like. Um, don't think about it too much as as work, and I don't know. I guess we can be professional or whatnot, but you know, just let's let's have fun. So I think that's that's the main thing, and um, you know, at the same time, okay. be educational. That sounds good. <laughs> that sounds good. That sounds All like right. a plan. So, um, you know, you actually, I mean, I actually don't know, uh, very much <laughs> about, um, your, your title and, and what you all do. I mean, I have an idea from what I've seen, um, but maybe you can, uh, you know, in your own words, explain, uh, what it is you do and, and where you work. Okay. Um, well, I tell, uh, people who I meet, uh, for the first time, I usually say I'm a blouse maker. Uh, kind of like as a joke, um, just to break the ice. Um, and some of and, and and some of my close friends, uh, we we use that as a kind of like a joke, and it, they'll tell me things like, oh, "It's the it's the best blouse maker in in New York," and it's kind of like a reference to like uh, Chappelle show. Okay, I was gonna um, say, <laughs> but, yeah, for any so for anybody who uh, has seen the episodes or uh, watched the show, they'll they'll know. Uh, of the skit and um, kind of to kind of play off that um, and uh, kind of like, you know, kind of like a bunch of guys just um, messing around trying to, you know, uh, break each other's ball type of uh, type of thing, you know, um, and obviously uh, the word blouse is more associated with something more feminine. So uh, it, it adds a bit of uh, humor to it. Um, but I digress. Uh, but yeah, so essentially I am uh, a small shop that is mainly like a sample maker, uh, slash, uh, small production run, um, in New York city. And, uh, it was started by, uh, my mother, my father and my uncle. Um, and I am the next generation to take it over. Wow. And, and so do you recall when they opened or like what year, just to get an idea of how, how long it's been around? Um, well, the, the, the business as a factory um, pretty much was started late 80s, early 90s. Um, 
it originally started as a small uh, little shop in like Gramercy Park. Uh, and my parents had uh, opened a small store. We would, they would, I remember they would uh, sell a lot of kids clothes. Um, I'm not sure if it was popular back then. Uh, Cause we, when I was growing up, it wasn't really like a baby boom, uh, but we did, uh, the shop was near a hospital. So I believe <laughs> that the business that they were trying to capture were all the people who, you know, instead of like buying just flowers and balloons for people who had given birth, they saw these little, my parents would hang these little cute little clothing items. And I guess that attracted a lot of people who were on their way to the hospital. Um, and that was a pretty good business. They also, once they got the customers in the shop, my dad would off, you know, showed like some of the stuff he's, he was a, he's a tailor by trade. Um, so, he, you know, he offered that side of the service, uh, but also the, the ready-made items made for quick sales and, and uh, things like that. So the business grew from there. Um, and then I guess once they really saved up enough, I would say they probably did that for a good 10, at least 10 years, uh, between tailor shop and selling kids clothes, um, to save up enough. And then they opened a, a small factory and, uh, it grew from there. Okay. And, and so, um, I guess for those maybe who are less familiar with the industry, um, at least in, in my research, what I've done is there are factories that categorize themselves as cut and sew, and, and maybe there's a couple other ones. I mean, it, it, are you all a cut and sew factory? And then maybe we can talk about what, what is that? And then, I don't know, are there like types of different factories that make clothes? Uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's definitely different types uh, of factories. Um, as far as the definition, uh, definition of cut and sew, um, it's mostly like uh, what defines it is that uh, the factory offers the service of kind of like a start to finish, um, meaning they can focus on uh, one garment or multiple garments, but they can actually do all of the work in one house uh, under the same roof, meaning they can cut the garment, they can sew the garment, they can finish it with all the trims, whether it be buttons, zippers, or things like that. And then so all you have to do is show up and you'll have a finished product. Um, so that is in that in that uh, definition, we offer that service uh, for sampling, which is, I guess, the the prototype, if you will, um, the first design, which uh, requires a pattern, a paper pattern, and um, the cutting and the sewing of the physical fabric, application of trim, and we have a finished product. So that would be the cut and sew. Uh, we offer that for sampling, which is just one piece, and we also offer. Uh, small lots or even uh, bigger lots, depending upon the customer's uh, request. But that essentially is, um, by today's definition, production. It could be anywhere from 50 pieces. It could be a few hundred pieces. Um, there are factories that handle thousands, uh, some here still in the States, but I think the majority of it has moved overseas. Um, I, I haven't seen a order for one style in the thousands um, since probably late nineties, I would say. Yeah. Okay. Late nineties, early, maybe even into early 2000, we, uh, you know, fairly well-known customer was still doing some of their production um, in the States, some of their production, very small percentage, but they only did it in the States because they wanted uh, a quick turnaround 
um, based off of a design that they um, were trying to cater to what was hot at the time or what they thought would sell really well. Oh, okay. And yeah. so um, I, I guess that was going to be my next question. What sort of clients, um, I guess, come to you versus maybe go offshore or, um, or I guess, what, what sort of clients do you all normally work with? Is it just like the entire range of um, really small, I don't know, designers who are just trying to, I don't know, mess around, trying to uh, uh, start start their dream uh, of designing it to big. Yeah, I mean, there's there's, uh, I would say, um, you know, before before pandemic, I think that part of the business for me was probably about uh, about thirty percent, meaning new clients, customers that are um, looking to. Uh, I guess, break into the business, start their own line, those type of things, or just develop a product that they think, uh, you know, could scale really well overseas. So they would look for local manufacturers so they, could, they can control uh, every aspect of it just to get the right prototype uh, and uh, get the details the way they exactly that they want it. Because um, sometimes when they go overseas, there's a, there could be like a, a language barrier or just, just timing is, um, you know, a little bit more difficult in the sense that you have to ship it and then, you know, customs and things like that. Um, but yeah, it was it, like the majority of people who, uh, that I work for before COVID were, um, sample making for, you know, fairly large companies that you, that have retail locations, um, that do, most of their production overseas. No, actually pretty much all of their production overseas. And I would be kind of like their prototype maker. I would make the first one for them, uh, paper pattern, and also the cut and sew sample. Um, and then once that's approved, they would just, you know, kind of ship it over to uh, countries like China, Vietnam, uh, India, places like that to do their bulk production. Okay. And um, so... You mentioned uh, pre-COVID. I guess has there, uh, I guess, um, what what sort of effect did that have, or has there been a noticeable difference in in business since? Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, as far as the the business, uh, the customers that I've retained, uh, the majority of the, of the people um, that were previously kind of like thirty percent of their business are now more like. 80% of my business, um, they've been able to uh, maintain their business. A lot of them are uh, New York City-based designers, and um, you know they still have orders coming in uh, pretty much similar to what they had before, if not maybe even a little bit more um, in terms of units, uh, for their production and also even for like sampling or small runs, um, even a little bit before more than what they had given us before. Uh, the biggest change is that what used to um, be my biggest revenue would be from, you know, uh, large companies that required sample work. Um, I believe that during COVID time, they obviously had to scale back. Um, a lot of people were laid off, uh, furloughed, um, even, uh, yeah, and then so the, the business from that aspect changed because a lot of the work 
for the sampling process, I, I believe, um, actually was offered by the overseas factories who do their production as kind of like an incentive to, to keep doing work. And I think they offered um, to do the work. And I'm not sure if a lot of people know, but um, usually when the factory is willing to do the sample, uh, there's actually no charge because they want the business of the production, uh, which, which has happened you know, even before COVID time. This has been a business model that they followed. It's just, uh, I guess, encouraged more so now because there's physically less people at those companies working. There's less designers. There's pe- less overall just less people to do the work that's involved to get the product developed. And um, the factories overseas, obviously, they're dealing better uh, than the U.S. are uh, dealing better than the U.S. is with with COVID and everything. So um, the people are seem to be, you know, back to work um, as if uh, they were before. So um, that that part of the business has changed for me. There's there's just um, a lot less of the the uh, what's the word like the the, the work that was kind of like continuous and uh, allowed for me to have uh, a staff of like anywhere from like 20 to 25 people um, back then. But now I'm down to like anywhere from five to eight at any given time. Okay. So so um, I guess you, and and sorry to keep cutting back and forth. You originally mentioned pre-COVID 30% was um, the small design, small designers. Uh, Was that right? Right. Yeah, then, about thirty percent. And then this, I'm guessing the seventy percent was what you're saying is like these big companies, um, the big companies. Is that was that? Did I interpret that right? Yeah. Okay. Yes, definitely. Yeah. But but now the thirty percent has is now the eighty percent, and then maybe the seventy percent is now the twenty percent. Did I get that right? If you, yeah, if even or almost like even less technically. I mean, as the, um, I you know there was there was still some signs that those large companies, or at least one of the, one of my bigger uh, clients of the big companies um, was still having some work during COVID. Uh, well, we're sorry, we're still in COVID. Sorry. In, in the months of like uh, July, August of, of last year, they were still giving me some, um, but in the grand scheme, it was, it was definitely uh, still less uh, than what we had done. Let's say same time last, uh, the previous year. Okay. Um, yeah. But, so to answer your question, I think it's definitely like that 70% probably is closer to now, like could be like about five to 10%. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's yeah. like maybe one, what, you know, just a handful of customers. It sounds like, um, okay. Yeah. Wow. So, so mm-hmm. but, so, but I guess, um, with, with these smaller designers, uh, you know, being more of your business, um, are, are, are you in, I mean, it, were, are there like more new customers or is it really the same customers? It's just, uh, or, or is it the same customers? I'm just curious, like, um, if there were just new, like a lot of new customers coming in or, or, or whatnot. Oh, so yeah, there, there's still, um, new customers. And then also, uh, some customers who, uh, previously would only would be a, kind of like a seasonal, they'll probably come maybe, uh, you know, probably every five to six months. But when they do come in, they'll, you know, they'll do a, a bunch of pieces for, 
their line or a lot of them are kind of like freelancers that are designing for another brand. So the, that dynamic um, kind of re reintroduced itself to me. Um, so there's, there's definitely like a, a handful of new customers. Um, some of them I worked for, they were doing like uh, outfits for um, movie shoots. So like usually when they have, uh, when they're shooting a movie, they require multiple garments because of the scenes. I, I believe the scenes are filmed in reverse or something to that effect. So in other words, if there's like, uh, let's say a shooting scene or an explosion scene where uh, the garments are damaged, they need to shoot that first and then they'll go back. So then obviously the garment has to be in good condition. So um, um, I think recently we did like some jackets for a movie um, and uh, we need to make like five of them um, so that the actor could uh, could use them in, in, in the movie. Um, so that, that part of the business, uh, I guess, I mean, they're still filming. So people thought that Hollywood is, uh, you know, kind of like on delay uh, if you will, or on freeze. But I mean, they were still filming. So they needed um, a quick turnaround for some of the garments. So we were, we were able to accommodate that. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so you really have like a, a, a wide range of folks come in and a, I guess a wide range of requests. I mean, I guess that's, that's uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause it's, I mean, it's pretty interesting. It keeps, it keeps the business interesting. Right. Um, even now because people are still designers are still thinking of new things to do. They're still have jobs. And uh, so uh, it's, it's an interesting time. I, I don't uh, definitely not bored. Uh-huh. Not stagnant. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess to, to give, um, I know you mentioned your blouses, but I, I'm kind of, I'm curious, uh, what is the most commonly made garment that you all make? I mean, if, if you have any idea, uh, is there like one saying like, oh, we, we make, I don't know, this, like every, I don't know, every designer wants, I don't know, shirts or, or I don't know. I mean, is there, is there anything like particularly, um, I guess I just want the readers to sort of imagine like, oh. That's, I don't know. I mean, I guess you mentioned jackets, but is there anything in particular that stands out as something y'all have made a ton of or, or designers request a lot of? Um, well, I guess the designers I work with, actually, they're kind of somewhat focused in their, in their brand. So, um, I mean, as far as units go, most recently I've been definitely doing a lot of, a lot of uh, pajamas and uh kids swimwear um that's that's huh. i think that's in terms of units yeah those are the two things that are have been um unit wise uh a, a large percentage of my business um but but you know each brand kind of has their own thing so like for example um uh like two new york city based uh women's clothing designers uh they're you know they do a somewhat of a wide, they'll do some blouses, they'll do some skirts, they'll do uh, some light jackets, those type of things. Um, so, you know, we have different people that are skilled to do, handle different types of fabrics and styles. So um, we're able to accommodate that. So I think that definitely helps in our survival. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, um, I mean, well, it sounds like there's also a wide range of, of not only people, but kind of things that they're requesting. So, um, I know you kind of did a quick, um, quick summary earlier about how things are made, but I mean, if you, is yeah. it, 
could you just do maybe a little more detailed run? I'm mean, just to give people an idea of, okay, well, how are, I don't know, pajamas or, or blouses or, or whatever um, made? Uh, do you want you want to just pick one and kind of go through a little more detailed process about um, kind of like step by step how that garment is is put together and all the work behind something that's seemingly as simple as you know pajamas or swimwear or, or blouses. I know we don't have visuals here, yeah, but but sure. I mean, I don't um, know. I guess we can start with the. I think a lot of people don't understand that. Uh, I think for new designers. Um, when I say that you need to make a paper pattern, they, or sorry, the first thing I say is like, I ask the designers that they have a pattern and a lot of, sometimes I get, I get an answer like, yeah, I have a pattern. Um, and I say, and then my response is usually like, oh, has it been proven? Meaning have they used it and made something with that pattern to know that it's, you know, that it's good to use. Um, and then there's like, and then their response usually to that is like, no, no, I'm going to bring in the garment. The, the, uh, the, it has the pattern on it, and and uh, I guess that's kind of like the the language uh, usage is is uh, can be a little confusing for us. Paper pattern, uh, the pattern is um, essentially the blueprint. It's what's used to cut the physical garment in the fabric that they choose. Um, so that's kind of like the first step, making sure you have a good pattern. Uh, we offer that service. Uh, some people are pattern makers by trade. Uh, some designers are pattern makers by trade. So they, they like to use theirs and they've developed it already. So sometimes they come to us and then we're just kind of like the contractor to cut into the fabric and sew it for them. Um, but going back to the fact that we do offer the service. So um, a lot of designers either bring in uh, reference garments, uh, pictures. Um, sometimes the easiest thing would be just to be uh, They'll bring in a garment and they'll say copy it as is. Um, so we can do that. Um, they'll say, or it could be something like, oh, copy as is, but shorten this, tighten that, lengthen this. Um, you know, and, and, and those uh, those alteration details are will be made. And then, um, and then that's when we proceed to cutting and sewing. Um, as far as the fabrics go, um, customers, uh, I mean, the, the places to get it, are, are boundless. Um, even though sometimes people think like they don't really know where to go. Um, obviously internet is usually the first thing. Uh, there's a lot, definitely a lot of stores, uh, around, uh, where I'm located, uh, which is in the garment district. And, um, so people, you know, they, they like to go to the stores, kind of look at the fabric, feel the fabric, you know, and then make a decision off that. Um, and then once they decide on the fabric, it's either delivered to me, shipped to me, or the customer brings it in, um, and I have uh, a staff there to uh, to cut it. Um, obviously, we're using um, it's only cutting one garment. Uh, we're using scissors um, uh, that you might see, like uh, I don't know, some people who are familiar with like tailors and stuff like that, uh, like those kind of scissors, fabric scissors. Uh, then once everything's cut, um, it's brought to the uh, garment assembler or the sewer uh, or some people call them uh, the operators. I don't know. Um, it's, but it's all the same. It's, it's a person that is there to use a sewing machine uh, to put the garment together. And uh, any other trims that the, that the garment requires, um, let's say a zipper um, or uh, any other type of finishing. So like there can be some right. back and forth. 
for buttons, right? But buttons are applied at the end with the button okay. holes. Um, so in most cases, it's usually another person uh, that does that. Um, the person who knows how to assemble a garment um, may or may not know how to operate the machine to to do the finishings for those things. But generally, uh, it's another person um, based on the way uh, the skill sets are breaking, broken down in a uh, in a, in an environment that's like a factory. Uh, whereas the tailor, um, who let's say if you have like a custom made suit, um, may have the machine and the know how to to do that final buttonhole on the sleeves and the and the center front, which is like called the keyhole. Um, you know, but that's that's uh, less and less now. It's usually easier to have a garment made and then have the finishing done at uh, by another person or another location. Um, there's definitely uh, businesses in the garment district that specialize in just the finishing part, whether it be uh, the buttonholes on a shirt, the keyholes on a jacket, or even application of like, um, let's say grommets and uh, hardware, uh, things that you might find on jeans, like a shank, a rivet. Um, there's businesses in the garment district that specialize in just that finishing. Um, so I think that, that's pretty much the process for us. Um, oh, wow. I, I, I already just learned something from what you said. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Very helpful, I think, with uh, how you explained everything. It's uh, To me, it was a lot more complicated than I realized to to, to design my own clothes. Um, coming, I mean, this was, I guess, a couple of years ago when I attempted to start. It was like, oh, well, this should be easy. I, I, have, a th I have something I like. Can't, I'll just go in and tell them, can you copy this? And then... It'll be done. My gosh, right. so so Sounds much harder. Enough, right? <laughs> yeah, well, it was so much harder than than I realized because yes, they asked for a pattern. I'm like, okay, which um, you know, like you mentioned, you don't just you know start with nothing and just do freeform marking on fabric and start cutting and it's gonna match. You have to get this pattern, which is is like a good is a like what you said, the blueprint, a template. Um, that way, they know how to shape that like the curves on the fabric and and um, all that to get the right shape, size, feel, fit. I mean, it's like everything. Um, so you need that. And then from there, you know, like you mentioned, the trims, you got, you want to get those in the right places and, and all that. And it's kind of a, um, and, and, well, one, getting the fabric, which fortunately I didn't have to really deal with so much because some of the ones factories I work with, they, they had some lying around. Uh, but like sourcing fabric is also not very easy, uh, especially if you don't know anything about fabric. Um, and, and it's just like, well, it has to be a certain length. And that makes a big difference because then, you know, they're going to always, the factory always going to ask you, um, you know, what length is it? Because there's like mo a couple different standard lengths, which means it's a little less standard uh, than standard. Well, width. Oh, well, width. width. Exactly. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Widths. And, and so <laughs> it, it's, it was just like, what the heck? This is, why is this so complicated? And, but that's, you know, mm -hmm. so getting started is, uh, it seems conceptually easy, but to to do all that is is kind of um, tricky and, and uh, time consuming. Even getting some some folks to I mean, uh, obviously having folks at a factory and, and working with someone like you, George, is is really helpful. Um, you answer a lot of questions, uh, and you know, I mean, like you said, you probably have dealt with multiple new designers coming in, and so you're used to it. But for any designers, it's it's a long and complicated process. And I don't know if you're interested. I I think starting sooner is better because there you'll, you'll learn so much and you'll realize wow there's so much I, I didn't know and um, 
to kind of procrastinate and, and try to, you, if you're interested, start earlier because um, I think it'll, there's a lot of learning that goes on and, and it's better to get that um, knowledge in your brain earlier uh, rather than later because you're going to need to know all this stuff. Um, anyway. Well, yeah, I agree. definitely. It's definitely like a, like a rabbit hole. I mean, you know, it really depends on, you know, what, where you enter. Like you can, you can spend hours just trying to figure out fabric. You can spend hours just figuring out even just like the type of button you want, the color and all that thing. The, the details are, um, you know, could be as difficult or easy as you want it to be. But sometimes you just, once you do a little research, you get a little deeper and you're just kind of like in your, you know, you've already, you're in deep. So, uh, just yeah. know those minute little details. Yeah. So it happens. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like the, the, every, every, every time it's, it's like, I thought I knew something and then I realized, no, I didn't understand it at all. It's like completely, it, it, it's just every time you, you, you learn a little more, you, you realize there's way more I don't know. And it's just, it's wild. This, I mean, I think that's what I, I find so interesting. This, it's like, I mean, it's like a physical product, but it's just endless in, in all the variations and possibilities of what's out there. I mean, and there's probably things that haven't even been explored yet. So it's, it's just so, I don't know, wild. I, I guess this is coming from someone who you, you usually does all his, you know, who works on a computer, which it, I mean, there's limitations because um, there's only, so many things a tool uh, can can do, um, software can do, and you're kind of you know limited by a computer. But like all this is real life, where you know you can make those curves as you know convex, concave as you want, as straight as you want. Um, the different fabrics, there's all sorts of you know slightly different variations. Whereas I don't know, in, in a computer, you've only got I don't know a couple uh, I don't know, a couple different options of of depending on. Again, I'm not necessarily talking about um, uh, apparel software, but just like you know, spreadsheets. You only have cells are are just there. They're only in they're very discrete and I don't know set, centered in certain places. And, and you only got so many radio buttons. So it, it it's just a very different experience working with stuff in the real world um, for someone who you know has kind of an office desk job. So um, sorry to to digress, but completely agree with you, George. Um, and so. To, to get slightly back on track, you mentioned the garment district, and I guess you've been, I mean, the, the I guess maybe a couple decades, uh, the factory has been there. I mean, w can you explain what the garment district is? I, I guess you kind of alluded to, there's like a lot of fabric stores and whatnot. Uh, I don't know. It, it's kind of like a unique area, I suppose. I mean, maybe it's not as busy as it used to be. Uh, I don't know. It, it's like the center of oh, garment making in, in New York. Like it, everything is... Everything is there. Is that? I don't know. Is there yeah. Any... Um, I mean, even I mean, yeah. Even now, it's uh, it's where you'll find the factories that do the work, uh, the stores that sell the fabric, the stores that sell the trimming. Um, you do have uh, fabric stores that are kind of still tucked away, like even in Soho, um, just out of plain sight of all the mega brands that people go shopping on Broadway for, um, and. Even some still exist in the Lower East Side. Uh, obviously, I think some people who know about uh, even like a little about New York City history, uh, you know, before garments were made uh, in private homes. Um, 
by uh, families and stuff like that. So in order to um, sustain a business and make things, uh, uh, you know, more to scale and also for quality control and consistency, um, I believe that's how they started the garment district uh, in Midtown. Um, and I believe it also coincided with uh, big stores like Macy's and stuff like that, uh, that, you know, had to sell products. So um, what better way than to have the garment district right there uh, to make these things? Um, don't call me on that. I, I believe it's, I, I don't know how the years and stuff and how things progressed, but um, I think that's an overall very vague, uh, general uh, description of how the garment district came to be. Um, but it's, uh, currently, it spans, what is it, from, I guess I would say, uh, as far west as 8th Avenue and as far as far east as, uh, I would say, Broadway, I guess. And then from like 30, probably like just north of 34, so maybe like 35th, 34th Street to about 40th Street um, were, you know, um, in its heyday. Uh, like full of factories uh, in the big buildings uh, that currently, I think a majority of them no longer allow uh, manufacturing in their offices because they, um, it's, uh, it was like a burden to them, I guess. I don't know. And obviously with the way real estate is going in New York city, it's more towards uh, offices and things like that. Um, right. But once again, COVID has seems to have changed that again. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I, I think the the one. I mean, this is kind of a general New York thing um, for for anyone who I guess isn't really from New York, or maybe even is. In my experience, um, it's it's amazing what's what's hidden, kind of even in plain view in Manhattan, because you have all these giant, you know, fairly tall buildings. Uh, I mean, they're not necessarily skyscrapers, but you know, they're like maybe fifteen stories, and like their businesses on each of those floors, um, uh, and like, there's no sign on the street that says, "Oh, there's like a chocolate shop on the fourth floor of this building." You have to—I don't know—you just have to be right. in the know or something, and then you go in the like in the building up the elevator. Then you step out on the fourth floor, and then there's just like this chocolate factory there. It's, it's, I mean, <laughs> same with, the same with the garment yeah. district is like there's no advertising that there's factories uh, anywhere. You have to like know that there's one in this building. You go in, go on the, up the elevator, and on the you know sixth floor. Okay, there's you know a factory, or there's a bunch of little um, pattern making shops, or or whatnot. It's all like hidden in there, uh, but it's like not advertised. Yeah, I don't know. You have to be in the know, and then you realize, wow, mm-hmm. there's like so many businesses tucked away here, and you just didn't know that. Um, and I think that's one of the fascinating things when I don't know if you get really deep into some hobby or whatnot in New York, and you try to find places. You know, it's oh, what the heck? It's on a it's in this building on the fourth floor. It doesn't look like there's anything there. And then oh, you're blown away. There's just a whole bunch of stuff going on. Um, yeah. And- yeah. No, I'm, I'm still blown away myself. I mean, uh, I think I was looking, I was uh, a few months ago, I was, I was going in search of uh, what I mentioned before, a person to help do the finishing work uh, because the person I currently, well, usually have uh, was not able to return uh, back to work for us. Um, so, and it was just, it's just, he had, uh, I guess subleased from a semi small factory and he, he occupied like 
if you're picturing a big square, he occupied one quarter of a corner of a big square. And it's like you have to walk through the factory with piles of clothes and uh, all the garment assemblers kind of like looking at you like, uh, like, you know, like kind of like you're an alien, but they're not, but they're not, you know, scared. They're just kind of like confused. And then just let you just walk about your way uh, to that door hidden in the back. And as you go through the door, it's like, this was like in the middle of, uh, it was what when it was warmer weather and I was sweating and that one room, I guess he had a lot of machines lined up. So it, it raises the, uh, the temperature of the room, but he had this AC shooting out the window and it was just, it cool, it cooled off that whole area. So it felt like uh, amazing when I walked in, it was almost like, cause I had the AC plus I had found the person that I was going in search of uh, to help me do uh you know, and, and, you know, things worked out so that, 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 that person's able to now help me uh, finish a lot of my, my garments and stuff so that, um, you know, I can, I can ha- still have a business. So it's like, just going back to what you said, it, it's kind of crazy. Like I, I'm, you know, I've been doing this, but I've, you know, I've never actually gone out in search of other factories or in other uh, people to help because I always had that in house. Um, so now, you know, um, I'm faced with a, uh, trying to see if maybe we can get, uh, more people to help because um, I think everybody's a little bit, you know, uh, overloaded in some aspects and also, uh, but still struggling in terms of not having enough business. Um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's, well, it's, it's I, still learning. Yeah, no, I, I'm curious. Um, I mean, you're in the. I mean, so that's the other thing uh, for any new, um, or I don't know. I guess yeah, new, new or aspiring designers. Is, the other thing is just finding <laughs> finding the folks who can help you. <laughs> I, I found that extremely, extremely um, difficult. Um, and I, I told you all about how I found Tony, which was kind of a wild story. Um, well, not wild, but it was just like th- jumped like through a million hoops. Um, and I just ended up with someone who could, oh, okay, you can do patterns. But um, like the, these places in the garment district and, and um, a bunch of uh, you know, places that will help you make clothes and, and all that. They like, don't really have websites or advertise themselves. And if you want to contact them, you, you don't go through email. You have to like show up in person or you call the telephone. It's like very right. Um, not necessarily you know not similar to how you're going to get in talk, cut in contact with anyone else or other businesses these days. So it's just very you know we're word of mouth kind of um, uh, industry. So I'm kind of curious for for you yeah. when you I mean. What's your perspective? I guess you're actually in the industry. Do you ever feel like that, or, or is it like you just ask you just ask people that you work with that you know do they know someone that does such and such? Um, like how, how do, I mean how like how do you uh, find people or find uh, um, uh, other I guess uh, sources of, of or, things or or, or I guess employees or, maybe, but also or business or like, building business. Like what, business like, is definitely word of mouth. Yeah. Partially, I would say. Yeah. Majority, maybe. Um, but in to, is that, I'm sorry, is that the question? Like, how, well, how do well, I, okay, well, how do I get well, more clients? How do I get more employees? Well, things like that? Or? Well, um, I guess maybe, maybe since you do everything in-house, it's, it's less of, you know, you're trying to partner with other places, but okay. Well, how, how do people, how do your clients find you? Do, do you ever ask or, or have an understanding where, where they come from? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I would say a lot of it is word of mouth, um, mainly because, uh, designers, uh, do go, you know, they do change their jobs, 
uh, I don't know, maybe every two years. Some people, you know, stay with the company for for pretty much their life. Uh, but but for the people who do switch companies, it actually allows for uh, more clients because obviously they're going to a new company um, and and they're in you know they still need to do the work. So I'm doing the work for what that designer previously had um, done. Obviously the work was probably transferred over to another designer. Um, so then when they when that designer goes to a new company, they're going to bring more work. So that word of mouth is kind of like uh, kind of like the spread is exponential. Um, you know, as they move. So if like two designers move, then two more, you know, so the business kind of builds on itself. Um, <laughs> doesn't, doesn't always, I mean, it doesn't always work out that way. I mean, there's, they're, uh, you know, sometimes they, they go to the new company, but things are already um, set. So it's not like they're going to bring more work, but they might do a few things. So it, it, it can, uh, you know, it, it varies, but word of mouth um, in that sense uh, is big. Um, a lot of people refer other people like, um, for example, I was talking briefly before about, uh, doing garments for a, um, a movie or a TV show, uh, that, you know, they were referred from a client who, uh, used to have, um, their own men's clothing store. Uh, but then they also did things like, uh, offer uniforms to catering companies, like personalized ones, things like that. And, you know, they have other jobs, uh, other gigs or whatever. And then they, you know, they talk to other people who are, who are interested in, in, in kind of like developing their own thing. And, um, and then somehow it leads back to me or even other people. Uh, and it helps knowing like, uh, like people like Tony, uh, who specializes in patterns. So uh, what happens after you do a pattern, you need to, you know, make the garment. So, um, it's like, you know, look for George. Um, he works with uh, some other people too. Um, so I guess he 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 decides based on what his customers' needs are, and then he's able to refer, um, you know, contractors like me and some of the other people in the industry. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess that that makes a lot of sense. Um, <laughs> so so maybe you know, because I, I guess. You're always uh, majority of your cu uh, customers are probably folks somewhat in the industry, um, so they do find people. It's probably you probably get less people like me who just completely don't know anything and just maybe had too much money and decided, well, I want to make clothes <laughs> and, and like completely come from a completely different place. So uh, <laughs> maybe that no. makes sense. Um, no, there's I mean there's a lot there's a lot of uh, I mean there's I mean, there's people who are um, you know who who have this idea in their head about what a product uh, should be or what they want. And um, they come in and they don't really have, they have uh, just literally like just uh, a sketch on like a napkin and uh, you know, we're <laughs> able to create something off of that. Just, you know, just through having a conversation, you know, uh, asking questions, how do you want it to look? How do you want it to feel? Should it, um, once you get, once you get the main idea, then you kind of, you know, it's kind of like any conversation. Like once you have a base, then you have other questions that can come up based on um, the design. You know, how big should the pocket be? Uh, what are you going to put in it? Um, is uh, is it going to be washed? Is it uh, things like that? Those are, those are going to be questions that um, any designer for a product, whether it be garments or anything really. I mean, even you just need to know how it's going to survive. Uh, usage, right? Like, I mean, like, why is a water bottle design like the the way it is, or 
uh, you know, th there's so much uh, decision, so many decisions to be made in the design to allow for a product to be, uh, I guess, sustainable in the sense of to survive its usage mm -hmm. uh, or get to the end user in a way that um, that they that they want. So. Yeah, and, and I guess you know you probably you certainly have the experience of um, you know all those designers who have come in, all those different products that they've requested, and I'm sure um, all these products for different purposes, whether it's movies or actual um, use. Uh, so I guess that's the other thing you know, you you're able to kind of um, make sure that the kind of product or the end result is is successful or, or at least not insured success because i don't know i mean i guess as consultant that's one phrase they tell us never to use because i guess we could get sued if we say we insure success but you know to try to right. <laughs> get, you know try to um i guess increase the percentage points of whatever that it's closer to uh you know being uh what it wants and can last and and can does serves its purpose so i mean, I guess, I mean again you, you all have asked me questions that like oh wow that's a good question um i would not have thought about it, but yeah, very, you know, it, it helps working with professionals, I guess. <laughs> um, I, so yeah. um, the, I, I'm curious, like what percent, uh, do you have an idea how many of your, what percentage of your clients are from New York or like, you know, from the area? Like, oh, uh, I, I would say 80, 85% are, are based in New York. The clients are physically in New York to give me orders and um, things. But I do have clients that are out of state. Um, so in that essence, but, but the people who, uh, the, the customers who are based in New York aren't, I mean, the, the individuals themselves are not necessarily from New York. So right, right. I think your question is more so about the, the, the business itself, not the individuals. Right. But yeah, but I would say 85% of the, the, my clients are in New York or uh, the New York area, um, some in New Jersey, uh, had clients in Connecticut. Um, the furthest, uh, would be, uh, Florida. I think there, there's a, I have a client, she specialized, she's trying to, uh, she was doing like, um, specialized, uh, jackets. Um, huh. and she's based out of Florida. So we worked, actually we worked with her, uh, fairly recently, like within the last six months. So um, I think that I think that would be the furthest client okay. from us physically. Yeah. I guess it's just that lack of maybe advertising of oh we're clothing we're a factory that makes clothes and you know can help you as a, if you're a designer yada yada all that stuff. It's just very little of it. So I guess you can yeah. I could be completely Old wrong school. by you know saying that they're all in New York or Los Angeles when they could certainly be elsewhere. It's just that there's so little advertising for you know, you all that, like, I, I'm just, you know, throwing, I don't know, I'm just guessing, completely make, making things up. So, um, so yeah, sorry, I was just making stuff up, I think. Um, but, but off from no, what but, little but you're, I know, you're, what you're I'm extrapolating is, from just a tiny is, bit. Yeah. So I got you. So yeah. to answer like, yeah. So what you're saying is actually very true. Cause a lot of people, uh, you know, sometimes I do get those random calls on the phone. Um, and then they're like, it seems like kind of like some frustration in the sense that they can't really find what they're, what they're looking for in terms of uh, creating a line or starting a brand. Um, and uh, yeah, that's the thing. So like a lot of uh, what you were saying before about uh, older generations. So the, the majority of people who do um, do this kind of work in New York city, at least they're, you know, they're, uh, they're not really hung up on the idea of building a brand because 
the factory itself, you know, we're here to cater to many brands. Um, so to have uh, any kind of recognition or quote unquote fame or whatever, is not really in the, uh, the business model, I guess. Um, <laughs> but as far as advertising, as far as advertising on the internet, um, it, it's, uh, it's kind of a weird thing. It's like, it's, um, the old school mentality trying to say like, okay, yeah, let's do this. So the internet's going to be great. It's going to be great for business. It's going to expand. But then what happens is, uh, sometimes you get like a lot of, um, people with inquiries that are more suited for uh, kind of like a, a, a major thing in, in industry right now is like streetwear. Um, and a lot of brands, what they do is they're actually just kind of um, able to purchase in large quantities, uh, pre-made garments and then put their own logo on it. So that's not something that we necessarily do. That's not, that's not anything we do here, um, uh, you know, in our, in our business. Uh, but so I, I think I, out of, let's say, uh, you know, maybe if I get like eight calls, like three of three out of those calls are, are like in, in, in reference to that kind of business model. Oh, so, that's so, interesting. <laughs> um, so yeah. So in, in New York city, like if, if you're, if you're a factory in New York city and you want to use the internet to uh, drum up business, um, <laughs> it, 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 it doesn't, it's, it's kind of a weird thing. You want more business, but then it's also like, you feel like you're fielding a lot more calls that don't pertain to the business that you offer. So you'd have to be really specific on, if you have a website, you'd have to really be really specific and you have to kind of like show the, the things that you do do so that you can kind of filter out the people who are really looking for other things. Well, that's so funny because, you know, I mean, yeah. there's just a lot, of, I don't know, I guess. But there's a lot of filtering to do, though. Right. So. right. Well, I guess it's it's also like the, the clothing industry, um, I don't know, again, for me, was kind of this mysterious, uh, when I started to get in inside it, it was just like this mysterious thing, like, how is everything made? What's done? What are the people, like, what are the different things uh, companies do and, and, and all that? And, I, I mean, I guess that's one of those things which I, I would, I mean, I guess, you know. I, I guess that's the thing. I, I had no idea. Um, so <laughs> that's just funny uh, that you would get, you know, three-eighths of your calls about stuff like that. So I don't know. Hopefully uh, these these recordings or, or whatnot will shed some insight on what, you know, I don't know, just get people more knowledgeable and about uh, all the different possibilities, not only, you know, what you do, but I guess that there are pre-made clothes that you can just stitch stuff on. I don't know. Well, I was going to ask um, <laughs> how... Has anyone ever asked about like uh, making what those counterfeit luxury products? Is that a thing? Like, does even is, is or is that like industry that's so um, honed in and focused on and like so streamlined as to what they do that like there's no it, it's already a perfect running machine. They don't need to get they don't ask for anybody. Like everyone's already in that ecosystem. So it's. I don't know. It, or is it nothing you even know about? I'm just curious because, you know, there's always like stuff on Canal Street or whatever. And you're just like, that's, that's like great right. stuff, right? So, like, is it all made in New York or, or what? No, that's definitely made like uh, elsewhere and then shipped in. Uh, like in terms of like the, the, the bags and the scarves and the little like, uh, you know, luxury branded uh, type of accessories. Yeah, well, um, even I like, know. I guess, keychains and all that. Those are definitely not made here, as far as I, I understand. Okay. Um, but I've had, I've had um, customers make personal uh, garments for themselves. 
And when they bring in the fabric, the fabric already has like the logo printed on it <laughs> of, the, of the luxury brand. Okay. But it, so it's kind of like a custom made, you know, kind of like, a, I don't know if you're familiar with Dapper Dan, like what he used to do back in the day. Um, and then like actually Gucci. Or... Yeah. Okay. And, and then Gucci actually, you know, I think fairly recently, I think within the last two years or so, actually brought him on and, you know, and out of, uh, I don't know, I mean, I, there was some controversy over it, but, but the idea was to kind of like showcase um, what he did for, for luxury brands back in the day where he would actually, you know, buy, um, you know, bolts of like Gucci printed fabric. Um, I'm not sure how that was done. I don't know if that was like a, uh, kind of like yeah, fabric fell man. off the truck type thing, <laughs> or if it was just made or well, whatever it was, I don't know. But, um, that's why you would see, you know, like early, I guess, uh, I guess the mid eighties, even to some, some parts of the nineties where like hip hop artists were wearing, uh, garments that you would never find in the store. Uh, but it was kind of cool. Cause it's like, you have a jacket with like Gucci stripes and then you have a Gucci print in some areas. And, um, it was kind of a, a cool thing. So I had myself have never, you know, made anything like that, but I have dealt with fabric that is like that. So I would make a personalized garment um, for my client. So I don't know. I, I don't think that considers me a bootlegger, but. No, well, I uh, guess that was kind of more of a, like a, <laughs> a side question out of curiosity, um, you know, like, I don't know. But, but I, guess, you know, now that I think about it, it, it would seem to make sense that that, <laughs> that sliver of the industry um, has maybe its own ecosystem because, you know, like, like you said, there's a lot of word of mouth here and then maybe that's not a good thing to, to like have anyone outside that counterfeiting bootlegging industry kind of get aware of what goes on. It's probably all like has its self-contained ecosystem that they've got everyone there and everyone knows each other. And like, it's like a smooth running machine where they don't really need look for outsiders. It's just, you know, them. I don't know. I'm just making stuff up again. Maybe. I, I don't know. Or anything. I mean, or there's, or there's a bunch of factories uh, in even just second world countries, third world countries. They're just, you know, making these things. I don't know. I mean, I've, I've seen so many people wear, you know, like uh, luxury branded face masks on the street, you know, of, of, of varying fabrics from <laughs> like, I don't know, stuff that looks like belongs on luggage to stuff that looks like silk. So it, it's kind of a, an interesting uh, thing. I, as far as I understand, those things are definitely not made uh, stateside. Okay. Um, that yeah. makes sense. Makes I don't sense. Know. I could be yeah. wrong, but no, that makes I, sense. It's probably like you know, that, that, you're you're probably right. Um, so, what? Oh, gosh. Okay. You you mentioned this, and I mean, I know you're not necessarily involved in those big um, fashion brands, but you mentioned that they come to you all for some of the work. Does that mean that you know they don't own any factories or anybody who actually makes clothes. They're just all designers and office workers or, or, you know, stuff like that. Is that the sense that you get or, you know, that, because I guess. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah. Um, It's, it's, it's kind of like too much overhead to, to like own the, your own factory. Okay. Um, But I, uh, there was one client that I knew, uh, you know, many years ago, maybe like 15 years ago, he was trying to do this, that, that business model where he had two storefronts and he wanted to make all his own product. Uh, and he had a factory in like Williamsburg. And I thought that was like a great idea, but he would definitely need a lot of uh, oh, yeah. funding in order to get that off the ground because 
if you're making your own product, meaning you have to buy all the material upfront yourself. Um, and, and, you know, when you buy the material, they don't, uh, some places don't even offer, uh, terms. So, you know, you're paying out of pocket right away off the bat, uh, not to mention the rent for the store and the rent for the factory. Um, but it, he made a good product and I think he survived for a little bit. I don't, I don't know what happened. I don't think the store is there anymore. So last I spoke to him, he was saying he was going to move upstate. Um, <laughs> but, but it was, but it was a, it was a great idea. I, and I wasn't sure if when he went, meant uh, moving upstate was he was going to move the business upstate or he's going to get out of the business and just move upstate. <laughs> um, I would have, I would say do the second, do the latter. That's yeah. yeah. Don't, <laughs> well, you know, but it, hey, they're making beer up there, so I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, wait. So, um, wait, wait, beer where in like what, oh, what, so like upstate, like up, I think I feel like up upstate New York is now like the isn't like the beer making capital like anywhere from Utica to all is of it? the like there's like a lot of processing plants. I believe so. Okay. I don't know huh. if you ever look at the 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 stickers on the back there. Oh yeah. You know, even though they're like yeah, there's one. Yeah, um, made, like, yeah there's like one brewery who. Um, I don't know, does a lot of contract work that's based up there. Yeah, I think that, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, okay. Well. Sorry, I, off topic. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, I mean, I don't know. This is kind of a casual format. I want it. I want it. I don't mind getting off topic. I don't know about the listeners. They haven't mentioned anything. I've got no comments, so I have no idea if I'm telling them. I'm like they're hearing what they want or or they're not. <laughs> so um, we'll see. I mean, I, I feel like. We shall see. I don't know if anyone's actually listening. It'd be nice if you could say something. I, I, I'm, I'm needing feedback. Um, but you know, regardless of yeah. feedback or not, leave a comment. Yeah. Whoever watches this, please leave yes. a comment. Yes. What do they say? Smash the like button and all these other things. I don't know. Do, do whatever the <laughs> heck that is that um, uh, you want. But you know, I, I hopefully we can continue making more recordings and and whatnot. So I'll still be here even if um, you don't make your presence felt. I guess. So. Um, anyway, I, uh, I know I kind of, we kind of touched on like the history of the factory. Um, I, I'm wondering if we can maybe, I don't know, get, get more into the details. Like, I guess you're, um, like w when did you get in involved oh, or, or, or maybe let's, let's backtrack, I guess, um, your parents and, and your uncle, they were, uh, they had this factory, um, like when you grew up, I, I guess that was, like when you were young, they already had this factory. Is that right? Or did they start it a bit later? Um, let's see. So it was, it was probably like early. So I probably like, I was definitely young. I was like anywhere from like five to, I was like seven, about seven, I would say. Okay. Uh, when the factory started. So uh, that's when I saw like less of my parents and stuff. So um, on the weekends, uh if my work. grandparents were too tired of watching. Yeah, if my grandparents were too tired of watching us, uh, then I would, I would, you know, I would be kind of like their uh, auxiliary workers there, um, <laughs> helping do things. So, you know, that, that was that was my like, I, you know, early on, I, you know, when they started developing it, I would, I would go there to play. You know, I'd be crawling underneath the tables and, and you know, kind of messing with the workers and stuff like that. Uh, but then, you know, as 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 I got a little bit older, then. They realize, hey, you know, he can kind of like cut thread. So we would cut thread. Uh, <laughs> hey, he knows how to fold a pair of pants. Let's have him fold a pair of pants. So, um, so it's it's kind of uh, those are kind of like fond memories in my head. Uh, even talking to my siblings, sometimes we joke about uh, these kinds and and 
And we would say things like, you know, like none of our friends would find any of this interesting or uh, think it's great. Cause you know, most of the kids would be like, Oh yeah, I, you know, I played basketball this weekend or I had softball this weekend. I played soccer or things like that. Like, what did you do? I, I went to the factory to uh, <laughs> played with an iron for the first time and uh, kind of burned part of my arm. So uh, things like that. So it's, Guess, I mean, you know, relatively speaking, it was different. I'm, I'm, maybe there was other, uh, but I, I think that might be a story uh, similarly shared by um, kids to immigrant parents who worked in the restaurant industry or garment industry. So, uh, but yeah. yeah, so that's. Um, yeah. Well. Well. So um, I guess, like, were you actually any? interested like interested in clothes at early age because i personally was not um and i don't think i got particularly interested until uh, I, I don't know my early age is kind of a blur i don't really think i did much and <laughs> i mean i guess I, I i guess i did play basketball but um you know i didn't really have any uh I don't know, real interest until i moved into new york i feel like or, or i feel like my life started once i got to college which is kind of sad because that was like 18 years of just i don't know i don't even know what i did or or what, what? I mean, it wasn't a waste, but well, your, pri- uh, your priorities are different. Your priorities well, are different. I mean, maybe I don't know. I mean, you're. Uh, so as far as, uh, I mean, as far as, I don't, I don't know if I was ever interested in making clothes. Uh, as far as interest in clothes, uh, definitely, definitely started for me at least pretty, pretty early on. I, I would say at some point in elementary school, because, you know, there, you have. Uh, like many influences on how you dress, uh, you yes. know, whether it be uh, dressing uh, like a like a sports uh, hero of yours, or like um, uh, well, whatever. There's a, or whatever t- whatever is being advertised to you on TV. Um, so as a kid, I, I knew I didn't get a lot of the things um, that were necessarily the coolest. Like I, I didn't ever really had like a. Uh, during the time that I was growing up, like I wanted like starter jackets and like Air Jordans um, and things like that. Um, partially because it was kind of like expensive, relatively speaking at the time. Mm-hmm. And also because there was also uh, in New York, there was a time period where uh, if you did have some of those items, um, it might have been uh, taken off of you or stolen. Uh, you know, so my parents were weary of, of buying items like that. Uh, when we were younger, um, so it, well, I feel like like those. I mean, but it definitely. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I actually I didn't even think about it, but that's I don't know when when you're young, I, clothes mean a lot. I, I don't know if it's changed, um, but but going to school, mm-hmm. I mean, like what clothes you wear is kind of like I don't know, somewhat of a big deal. Even if you, I, I mean, oh yeah, like it, ma- it, 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 it matters. Like yeah, it affects you, your mood. It affects like yeah yeah like it's like a fresh haircut too right and wow and and, uh, this brings back memories which i haven't thought of maybe this is why i didn't realize i had a childhood because no one says things that (laughs) makes me remember about them but um you know like if you wear certain clothes you just feel like "Uh oh i like i need a jacket today i can't let anyone see this this horrible shirt you know or or whatever and like you can't i don't know if you sit at the table and then everyone just teases you because you're wearing something ridiculous or, or whatever like or you know you're wearing whatever the cool kids are wearing and then you can like talk to them that day it's just i don't know kind of it's kind of a big deal and it's weird looking back um yeah well because, what, do you remember the t-shirt you were trying to hide <laughs> uh i don't remember it was probably just some like 
I don't even know where my parents got clothes. It was just like weird, or, or maybe it was like a I don't know Gap shirt or whatever. Like you know, because they always uh, um, what was that? I can't remember what the acronym was, but it wasn't like a something you wanted on your shirt as a kid. Um, but uh, anyway, it it was just like you know weird, uh, yeah, weird stupid things. Like only only kids would care about it because they're kids. I mean, when you're adults, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it still makes a difference. Maybe maybe, maybe there's your peers are more subtle in your in their teasing, or they don't, you know, it's just in their head. They don't actually say it. Where when you're a kid, like the kids will tell you, like exactly what's on their mind. Um, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and 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 those, and those opinions are based on however much they're aware of uh, at that time. Right. Um, so it it could hurt your feelings or it could not. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but but the importance of clothing for me was like you know like the way the way sometimes you see like a quote unquote cool kid or even not even a cool kid. Maybe you could be just some random person in the street that you don't even know. And you just, for some reason, you just like the way, like, uh, like everything looked as, as aesthetically. And it was just like, that, that, that's like, that's kind of like your definition. Like that's what cool is. Right. Right. Um, it could be, uh, I don't know, depending on when you grow up or where you grow up, it could be, uh, someone wearing a cool watch. Someone could be wearing a suit and tie. It could be someone, uh, who had, uh, I don't know, uh, who wore like basketball shorts, you know, who looked like an athlete. Um, there's so many, so many factors, uh, and sub genres and, 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 uh, yeah, it was all about like the super baggy like, pants back, back when I was a kid. Like it was all, I don't know, I guess it was a hip hop look. It was like, you wanted like the baggy, the baggy pants, the baggy shirt. Oh yeah, shirt. the baggy. Yeah. Or what were yeah. they? Sagging, yeah. sagging yeah. your pants that became, that, it, it was, um, well, and, but I also grew up in like the suburban Texas, uh, suburban Texas. So it's not necessarily New York either. So just imagine, yeah, that it, it, like, it wasn't, I don't know. Uh, it, like, I guess even that trend got to suburban Texas. So like what, 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 uh, approximately what year was this? Like the um, fact that. I, I guess, I'm thinking, like... I'm thinking like, uh, let me think, I don't know, mid two thousands, maybe. Um, in 2000. Okay, so 2000s. so okay, so then yeah, that was uh, you were a little behind schedule, not on trend. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, but yeah, I but mean, but they yeah. did reach. You know, the I mean, like you know, Texas has. I mean, if you're if you're making references to like how fashion is influenced through music and 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 hip hop itself, uh, you know, in the 2000s, yeah, definitely, like baggy pants were were already you know well uh, established as a um, a fashionable wear, way of, you know, wearing your pant or having, uh, you know, it's very stylish. Yeah. Uh, whether whether or not you saw your your underwear, or your boxer shorts were was another thing, but it had to be loose. Um, and uh, I remember in high school, I, I wouldn't wear pants unless they were, uh, <laughs> like, unless I could fit the pant leg over my head. And it was, it, I I don't know why I that was even a a, a gauge of how to buy pants. Um, but if I had any of the clothes that I did from high school, I probably it would probably I would be swimming in it right now, um, right. <laughs> not because I lost like a significant amount of weight or anything like that, um, just because it was that oversized. Yes, um, <laughs> I think I would. You know, I was what was that? I was like probably like uh, 120 pounds, something like that in high school, 130 pounds, and uh, buying double XL. Right. Yeah, it was always about the XL or and, yeah. No. And like, I think the pants. I think I bought like size thirty six pants. Like my, I think my waist was like a thirty or something at the time. I don't know, but it was. Uh, yeah, it's 
I have pictures that, you know, when I, when I, when I talk to um, my friends from high school, it's, uh, we kind of have a good, pretty good laugh. It's like, what were we thinking? And I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, well, but well, they might say the same thing about the, the, the skinny jean phase of Well, that's last, what I'm always saying about it. Within, like, the, within yeah. the last five years or so. <laughs> so yeah. Well, we'll like, yeah, because, um, I mean, I've got a brother who's about a decade younger than me. So, and, and, and so it's like, what the hell are those? You know, like, uh, do you have to wear those? <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> Again, I, I'm just, you know, they're, they're kids. So the kids think about fashion probably um, very differently than uh, adults as you know we, we were discussing so um yeah. to him it probably makes a ton of sense just like you you know you having your pant leg fit over your head whereas when you're not a kid anymore it just you don't understand it anymore <laughs> um but yeah. but i guess it did like um so uh having you know growing growing up um i guess you were so you were interested in clothes your parents had this factory w was there this feeling that you know, someday I'll be working there or, or, uh, or when did it get that, that feeling? Um, well, I guess it was, it wasn't a question of I'll be, uh, you know, when will I work there? Cause like I, I was, I knew I was going to always work there in, in some shape or form, whether it be, uh, summers, uh, or weekends. If, um, like high school was, I, I didn't do so much cause I was obviously, uh, you know, like I was sent to like uh, prep things to prepare for like college exams and uh, was it SATs or whatever, things like that. Um, so uh, it was more so the summers. The summers were were like where, you know, instead of, uh, you know, hanging out with my friends who my, my parents might have been concerned about uh, or staying at home and just doing nothing. They were like, let's, you know, you're going to come to work with me. So I'm like, okay, let's let's, let's do this. So um, definitely a lot of experiences uh, around the garment district, um, you know, in, in, in the, I would say mid to late nineties, early 2000s. So it was, it was, it was, it was definitely a lot more hustling and bustling uh, then. Um, but I've, you know, recently looked for uh, pictures of what the garment district looked like back in the seventies and eighties. And it's even, you know, crazier back then. Uh, in terms of the personality, you see some of, like you see like guys pushing these large um, racks, uh, racks of not even racks of clothing. Like I'm talking about just like fabric. It's like they call it a fabric. I guess it's called like a fabric truck. It's it's a, it has like a metal frame and like it's it's probably about a good seven to eight feet high in terms of the side rails. So you can load fabric taller than you know higher than than you are and you see this one guy just pushing it by himself well there's two guys usually one guy in the back one guy in the front and i saw i remember seeing this picture of this guy and like he's wearing a tank top and he had all these gold chains on um <laughs> and he was he was probably like well into his 40s or so um he definitely wasn't a young guy doing it but but you know you and then you know you see him wearing like one of those like weightlifting belts around his waist because you know you gotta you gotta you gotta watch your back when you're doing those things and uh and it was kind of interesting i was like i was like i i, I kind of and in the background you see like those old taxi cabs and there was like even in that one shot there was like at least like two delicatessens on one side of the because it was like a shot at an intersection so you have um so you kind of like in the direction you're facing you have two corners and there's a delicatessen on one corner and across the street on the other corner is two delicatessens one on the corner and the one in in set in from from the other one on the on the avenue side 
so it was it was a pretty interesting image and uh kind of wish i was kind of like there to experience that um yeah, the old new york but, now it's um, all like starbucks instead of uh, delicatessen's on the corner or or what or, yeah yeah know. pretty much yeah, yeah. starbucks or uh pret manger if they're still yeah, around yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't know Oh uh, yeah, no, but that that I mean I guess yeah the the hustle and bustle of um, New York it, it's oh it, there there's all those like romantic um, oh images of it that like have a bygone no oh, bygone time bygone era, which it's kind of sad like things just kind of die and fade away and then you don't really realize it until they're gone. So, yeah. yeah. It's, uh... But I'll be interested in seeing who's able to, I don't know, change, uh, continue it or uh, in some shape or form. It doesn't have to be existing the way it does now. Um, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. In the garment district, there is a there is a there is a garment district alliance to keep it uh, going. Um, we'll see how that goes. I don't know if there's going to be more proactive things, um, but. Yeah. yeah, I don't well, know. I mean, there's always somebody there who cares about clothing. So, and clothing needs to get made. So, right. uh, as many people like fast fashion, there's people who still care about. Um, I, I believe you're one of them. Um, definitely because you pay so much attention to detail and how things are made. Um, it's. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, well, I, yeah. I I hope so. And, and sorry, maybe I didn't uh, phrase the the question correctly. But uh, when I meant working, I, I meant like uh, as like a full time job. Um, when did that thought occur to you uh, about working in your parents' factory? Or did it just... Um, well, there was, there was a time period where I, I didn't want to really do it. I wanted to like, kind of like see uh, what I could do, quote-unquote, on my own. Um, so I, I did go... I was kind of like in the marketing finance route. Um, in like early, was it like 2000? I graduated uh, uh, university in 2002, so I uh, traveled for a bit, and then I was kind of like looking for work, um, going on interviews and stuff. So I did have a few different jobs uh, that weren't fully finance related. Uh, some were like uh, more like um, what was it? Like I worked for uh, like a freight company for a little bit. Um, I also worked for, I actually worked for FEMA for a little bit. Um, I think I remember there was, there was it was like, uh, doing some work related to like nine 11, uh, relief, financial relief or something like that. Um, and then after about, it wasn't too long. It was like probably like about a year and a half of just doing, no, more like two years, more like two years of two different jobs and still kind of like helping out, um, my dad, uh, randomly if i had the day off or uh some weekends so uh then eventually i was like okay well let's let's see what this is like if i do this every day and um so it's kind of like that 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 foxhole rabbit hole that you dig so once you do any kind of job you know you have to stay on long enough to make sure you complete something it would be it would be wrong of me to just kind of like go in start something and then work with a client and then just kind of like leave in the middle it's so um, funny because so, I'm a consultant yeah. and we, we, we do that sometimes <laughs> for a lot of the time, yeah. but continue. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, yeah, I mean, because I guess the, I mean, I guess. Uh, I'm not saying that is a good build thing. Build up product and stuff. I'm not saying that's a good thing that we do though. But, but, oh, yeah, yeah. no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Um, but yeah, so like, you know, it, it, uh, whether any industry you, you, you have consultants to build out product or, or services or whatever. So, uh, my service was to build out, uh, you know, garments so for the for clients. So, um, you know, it's kind of like, uh, even there was, there were times where I didn't want to complete it or whatever, kind of quote unquote walk away or whatever. Um, but we just finished and then, and, and then, um, then there would be a new job and then I would go through that. So, so you know, as it continued, there would be new clients, different things. Um, and, and you're kind of learning the whole time. So, um, uh, it, it, it grabbed, you know, it, it just kind of like, it just stuck and, and kept saying, yeah, exactly. Definitely. And, um, and so I just continued and, um, yeah. And then it became kind of like the thing where like, I, I do want to continue so that this, uh, kind of like my dad likes to call it a technical art form, if you will. I don't know, mm-hmm. um, uh, that, it, that it's not lost. Um, but with, with anything that's passed along, you know, there's like with storytelling or with whatever, you know, you lose a little bit because there's only so much information that, that you can pass on that is actually retained, right? So like if you tell a story, you might lose a few details here and there, um, but the essence is not lost. You just continue it and um, hopefully I'm able to do that and not lose the the main thing um, and also build on it um, because it's, you know, time changes things. It's uh, right. the fact of life. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see how that goes. I don't know. It's uh, part of the process of Yeah. It's a, it's life. a, it's a um, like living, breathing. Um, oh, I mean, the industry is living, breathing. Entity. also the, the clothes. Yeah. And, um, I mean, they, 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 evolve and change or uh, in some respects maybe devolve i guess over time like you know become more minimalistic or, or somewhere but, but they, they change yeah, and, or revolve <laughs> yeah, yeah and and or you know yeah exactly so it's um yeah there it i mean that's what i find kind of fascinating it, it's this um like dynamic like really dynamic um field and uh like it can be anything that you want it to be or someone else wants it to be. And, oh, and in the end, it's, it's something people, some people, I guess, um, care deeply about. And, uh, you know, what you were describing, um, you know, when you work with designers, you're like making someone's dream come true, which, which is really, I think, a fascinating type of thing. Because, yes, I mean, there's industries for everything, but, I don't know, there are people who, I mean, I'm a consultant, so I, I know, like, there's just a lot of office jobs. I don't think really anybody cares about, you know, what goes on. That's not anyone's dream to uh, be doing some things that they do. Whereas for clothes, there are people who really care deeply about it. And you're actually making dreams come true, which is kind of this interesting um, I don't know, aspect of, of clothes. While it's it's this physical good, um, it's also like this kind of art form or, or, or um, I don't know, has this provides this emotional response um, outside the tangible good. And, oh, it, it's, I don't know, that's that's something that I think makes it um, a worthwhile pursuit or or field to, to try to learn about because um, the possibilities are, are you know, and, endless and, and what you can do and um, what others can do and what they can share and what they can express and, um, like, what they can discover are like as 
go as far as someone's imagination. Um, so, I don't know. It, it's it's something that I think is pretty pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, <laughs> my 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 yeah, personal no, thoughts. I, 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 I agree. Um, yeah. Yeah. Ditto. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 it's sometimes yeah, I think easier in in person when you, you know, I can just see you nodding, and then it's like this. Um, but um, you know, I think we, you know, we've been talking for an hour and a half. I mean, do you have? Did you have to go at a certain time? Um, I mean, um, actually, yeah, I think I've actually, um, I've I've been kind of like staring out my window uh, intermittently, and I see these kids building a snowman. Yeah. And now they've actually completed three layers, uh, you know, the, 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 the middle, the, the bottom, the middle, and the top. So I think, um, actually, on that note, I probably would have to uh, go. Yeah, yeah. So. All right. Thank you so much, George. Um, and have a good weekend. Same, too. Uh, same right. to you, too. Enjoy the rest of the day. All right. Take care, folks. You, too. Okay.